Hey gentlemen, it's Matt Noel here. I wanted to give you a quick heads up before we start today's podcast. I appreciate you joining me. You are going to be blessed by my guest today. I had the privilege of sitting down with Dr. Joe Martin. He has an amazing testimony of the faithfulness of God. He calls it from rags to riches to ruins to redemption. It's an amazing story. And this podcast actually needed two conversations with Dr. Joe. The first conversation we had, I had a failure, a technical failure on my end, and it ended our recording quite soon. And so Dr. Joe was very gracious and willing to join me again a week later for another sit-down conversation, which we just finished up this week, and it was excellent. And there was no technical issues from what I'm aware of. And so this involves two conversations that I had to kind of splice together in audio form, and if you're watching on YouTube, also in video form. So you will see about 16 minutes in to the conversation. You'll see, if you're watching, you'll see a shirt change on Dr. Joe Martin. He goes from, I think, a blue or a gray shirt into suddenly wearing an orange shirt. And that's because I had to splice two videos together for the sake of one conversation, thanks to internet and Zoom uh, technical issues. But saying all that, it's worked out really well. If you're listening to the podcast, you'll notice the first 16 minutes are slightly less quality as far as the audio. And then the last hour, it's a little bit more crisp and clear. It's not horrible. It's an excellent quality all the way through. But I just want to give you a heads up. You will be blessed by what Dr. Joe has to share. And his testimony has so much in it that by the time we get to the end of the recording today, he wasn't quite able to finish the entire story. And maybe one day I'll have him on and we'll finish up the story. Uh, You can find his full podcast, which you're going to hear tonight, uh, but you can find different versions of his podcast that he shares on multiple podcasts in podcast world. So I encourage you to do that as well. Uh, He ends the podcast where he talks about ruins, where he goes from uh, growing up uh, in poverty in the basically the ghetto of Miami. And then God, by the grace of God uh, and his uh, determination, he finds riches and great success uh, in the eyes of the world and he gets married and then eventually his life falls apart into the ruins part of his story. Uh, he is looking, he's in a season of life where he's looking for validation uh, because he's lacking that and desiring that. And he, Dr. Joe actually became quite addicted, very addicted to pornography. And this pornography addiction led him into becoming a serial adulterer, uh, multiple times uh, being unfaithful with his wife, and it ruined a 16-year marriage. He had a son who was um, devastated by the results of his infidelity and his porn addiction, and, and now he's living in the redemption of God. God has restored him. He's married again to a new woman um, and for, for multiple years now, and now God is using Dr. Joe all over the world. Uh, he's raised him up to be a blessing for men all across the world. He is a podcast host of, of a very successful podcast called Real Men Connect. In fact, that is the ministry that he started about six or seven years ago, I believe. It's called Real Men Connect, and God is using this man 
in the power of the Holy Spirit by the grace of God as he has redeemed him from rags to riches to ruins to redemption. And so that's the gist of his incredible story. And what he has to share with you today on this podcast, you are going to be incredibly blessed and encouraged and challenged and motivated and inspired and on and on by today's episode. So be looking if you're watching for that shirt change uh, as far as when the videos um, spliced together about the 16 minute mark and uh, I know that you're going to be encouraged. I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. I appreciate you for listening, for watching. Uh, Share this podcast with your family, your friends. Uh, Please leave a review and a rating and feel feel free to contact me standing on the front line at gmail.com. You can reach me on Instagram and Facebook at the frontline man. That's all for me. I wanted to give you a heads up. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men, a place where men can find encouragement and strength to remain standing when the battles of life are closing in all around. A place where men will hear honest truth that will equip them and arm them to keep fighting in faith against the enemy's daily opposition. Gentlemen, you and I have been enlisted by God in the spiritual war as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and the enemy wants to steal your joy and rob you of your peace. He wants to divide and destroy your marriages and your families. He wants to distract you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. And with his accusations and lies, he will tempt you to give in to fear, doubt, shame, and condemnation. But today, gentlemen, we refuse to allow him to take the win. And today we will stand in the victory that the Lord has won for us. Gentlemen, my brothers in Christ, welcome to the front line. Attack the objective! Dr. Joe Martin. (laughs) I am really happy to see you. It's so crazy to hear you in my earbuds. I hear you in my earbuds all the time, but just not not live, not to be able to you know have a conversation. I'm always listening to the podcast, so this is wonderful. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Just just excited about all the guys. It's so funny. I've been doing this now for about uh, six, seven years, and I and I felt there was such a need for a podcast like like mine, and now to have so many friends who are doing it. It just blows me away that wow, man, we're moving. You know, as bleak as it looks in the culture, we're moving in the right direction, man. Well, I, I I don't say this to flatter you, but you're a real inspiration. You're just your life, your story, and just your dedication, man. Every week, you're just putting out ministry, and then to hear your story, which I'm looking forward to, you know, you sharing tonight. Um, and I just greatly appreciate the ministry and just the man that you are. I've been listening to your podcast for many years now, and be, long before I even felt called to start my own podcast so mm-hmm. what a joy i i just i'm i feel like a kid at christmas man i really do so um well, that's great uh, man i appreciate that uh, i remember when i first got started um mm-hmm. didn't know what i was doing i'm totally <laughs> clueless i remember goals. I, mean, I just hope somebody listens to this thing oh man to see um how we've grown and how far we reach it's totally humbling even though that's now the podcast is really one small part of the ministry, but it's been the biggest thing that has attracted people to us. And yeah. so I can't, I, I can't discount it. Um, but man, um, I didn't know when I, I think, keep thinking about when I first launched the first week I was launching, 
I didn't know what I was doing, man. I was like, man, I still don't know what I'm doing to an extent. <laughs> but I just know that whatever we've been doing has been working. And so Amen. I can't explain it. So I give all glory to God. But and it, anytime a- I can help somebody else who's who has the same yeah. kind of vision and God has pressed something on their heart, I consider it a blessing that um that anybody would even want me to help them. You know what I mean? Oh, it's just man. amazing because I mean I there wasn't a lot of people in this space to help me who there were people who were doing men's podcasts, but not Christian men. Yeah. So I didn't have um, a perspective from that. I didn't have help from that perspective, but mm-hmm. now, I mean, I can, I got dozens and dozens of friends now who are doing men's Christian men's podcast. And now they come to me asking questions. I'm like, wow, I can actually help somebody. <laughs> who knew? And, you know, yeah. So it, yeah. It's good to be able to help people. And so uh, I'm just happy to, to meet you and, <laughs> Lock arms and shields with you to do what mm. God has called us to do, man, because the enemy doesn't take any days off, man. And mm. and it's tough. It is. It, it really is. And I appreciate you saying that, Joe. That that encourages me. And uh, for you gentlemen listening, I am so excited and honored uh, to welcome Dr. Joe Martin to the podcast. Uh, he is very familiar behind the podcast microphone. He has a really uh, uh, blessed ministry from the Lord. And I am so blessed and grateful to God for Dr. Joe tonight. So thank you for just taking your time, Dr. Joe, and joining me on the podcast tonight. Um, he is a man who is simply passionate about Jesus Christ, and he's passionate about leading men and helping men all over the world to serve Jesus and to serve their families. And I've been listening to your podcast for about four or five years now, Dr. Joe, and I've listened to probably the majority of them. It's gotten me through some long work days, <laughs> and, uh, and I've really uh, just appreciated your ministry and your heart. And one thing I love about your podcast is you've had some, some just straight up normal people like me. And I know that you would probably call yourself just a normal, normal dude as well. But you've also been blessed to have some really uh, very well-known people. But, but regardless of status, regardless of position or, or name on your podcast, you treat every man the same. And that's one thing I've noticed. They're, to you, they're just a man who's who's in the fight who's in the battle just the same as you are and you treat them with the same respect and you just love to hear their stories so that's one thing i really appreciate about you and your podcast for sure uh dr joe is an award-winning international speaker he's an author an educator and what he calls a certified man builder which i love he's the founder of the uh organization ministry real men connects where they help men win at what matters most by giving them coaching, mentoring, and accountability, uh, which they need in order to succeed in following Jesus, loving their wives, leading their families, and leaving a legacy. Joe is also a very successful podcast host, like I already mentioned. His podcast is also called Real Men Connect, um, and it's a top-rated podcast on iTunes. And I love, before before the show, Joe, you told me that you, when you started, you didn't know what you're doing. And now look what God has done, man. Look yeah, what man. God has done for, to the glory of God. He's taken what you've given to him. And he's like, Joe, I'm going to bless this because he sees your heart, brother. And, and you're now a top-rated podcast for Christian men on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, which is awesome. Uh, I believe it's over 2.3 million downloads, which yeah. is amazing. And it's listened to in about 136 countries. And you've had, I think, over 600 episodes on your podcast. So praise the Lord, man. I rejoice with you because like we were talking about, it's not easy, but you've been faithful and God has blessed you. Amen. And one thing I love about you, man, is and I'm going to say this because I know that you'll appreciate it, I think. 
And I think others who are listening and who've listened to your podcast will agree. You have the most amazing laugh on podcast world. (laughs) (laughs) I love when you get into that big old laugh. It just makes me smile every time I hear it, man. So I just wanted to, to share that with you. But again, it's my honor and my joy to have you with me tonight. I really appreciate you taking your time. Uh, now, before we get started on hearing your story, uh, Dr. Joe is going to share his incredible testimony um, tonight shortly. But one thing you do, and I'm going to, I'm going to, one thing you do on your podcast is when somebody says something really cool, I forget the word you say, but I'm going to liberate that, I think is yeah. what you say. Yeah. And in other words, I'm going to use that, right? I love that. And so one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to liberate something from your podcast ministry. Um, you always ask your guests the very first thing when they're on is what their favorite Bible verse is. Right. Um, what's kind of that, that gives them inspiration from the word of God. And I, I've always loved hearing all their Bible verses. And I may, I think I might know what yours is, I think, but I'm not sure. So what is your favorite Bible verse that inspires you from the word of God, man? You know, man, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And to hear you know, just the, the kind words that you're using to describe me, to talk about me. One, I wish my wife was sitting in here. <laughs> she can hear it. <laughs> but um, I really... We're recording it. We're recording yeah. it. She can but hear I, But no, no, but I really appreciate it because you touched on a lot of things that a lot of people don't see. Like you mentioned about how I treat the guests and everything. You're right. Um, uh, I don't put any man on a pedestal. I only worship one God and and we're all in the in the fight together. You probably heard that yeah. saying that we're all beggars looking for bread and we mm. need bread. And so yes, um, it's to me it's been humbling to meet these men who some who are multimillionaires and yeah. top C Fortune 500 CEO companies to guys who are just getting out of prison and to see that we mm. all have the same struggles. We have different bank accounts, <laughs> but we have the same struggles. Yeah. And for you to notice that that wow, he treats all these guests the same with the mm-hmm. same respect. I don't care who you are, where you came from, mm-hmm. um because the, the the playing field or the 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 level there's the, a level playing field at the cross at the foot of the cross there yeah, yeah. god is not a um respective persons and so but thank you for those kind words um now in reference to the, my favorite bible verse oh my goodness man yeah I, i'm always asking guests that and i always had my favorite bible verse has always been second corinthians um 5 17 yes that's, that's the one based I thought. on my story you know, mm-hmm. and for those who are not familiar with Second Corinthians five seventeen, there's anyone in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old man is gone and all things have been made new. Mm-hmm. But one of the guys in our organization um, who's getting ready to launch a podcast, um, he's in our ministry. And he says, Joe, he said, oh, he said, I know. He says, when I met you, he said, you're, you know, I've heard you mention to the guys, not on the show, but he heard me mention to the guys that that was my favorite Bible verse. He says, um, Joe, he said, mine is 2 Corinthians 5, 18, which I was like, what's, what's 5, 18? I know 5, 17. And he yeah, was talking yeah. about that God has, uh, his ministry is a ministry of reconciliation, of reconciling. Mm. And, but he made me think about something. He says, Joe, I, you know, how long has that been your favorite Bible verse? I said, um, ever since my life was ruined and God redeemed it. And he says, and remember, he's going to be a podcast. So he says, Joe, would you say that's your, still your anchor verse now? And I stopped for a second. Hmm. I said, man, his name is Joe as well. And I said, Joe, that's a good question. I said, yeah, yeah. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Second Corinthians five seventeen is my verse, but that's not the season I'm in right now. I'm I'm past the redemption part. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I said, he said, so what is your favorite Bible verse now? And nobody asked me but him. And now this is the second time 
I'm sharing it with nice. you. And nice. Nice. Wow. I never thought about that. I said, <clears throat> but if I had to pick one, it, I would say it'd be Psalm 27, four. I said, it's David saying, the only thing that I seek, the only thing that I desire is to spend eternity with you, to be in your presence, to be with you for eternity, to gaze upon your beauty mm. and to inquire within your temple. Mm. And he said, Joe, why, why that one? I said, cause that's all I want. I just want to be in his presence. I don't care about the podcast. I don't care about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm humble enough that God is using me in a way that can make some type of impact on people, but let's not get it twisted. I just want to be, uh, I just want to be in his presence and sit in front mm-hmm. of him all day. Amen. I want to worship him all day. I want to hear what he has to say all day. I want to praise him mm-hmm. all day. And man, you know what that sounds like? Freaking heaven. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I want heaven now. That's what I, I want. I want to experience what it's like to be in his presence like that right now. And it takes you back to one of my mentors. Every time I ask him how he's doing, he always says, man, wait for Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> he said, yeah, wait for Jesus to return. Wait for Jesus. Amen. Like, Why does Howard always say that? And I say, I get it. When you spend quiet time with God, which we teach our and train our men how to do, and you're consistent with that, Matt, there is nothing, there's no other place you'd rather be. I Mm. I have to pull myself away from quiet time because I don't want to have to deal with people, (laughs) right? And God said, that's not what what it's about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, God, it's it's sort of like being on a mountaintop. And Mm. and remember when, when they were... When um, Peter, James, and John was with Jesus, and they mm-hmm. saw the images, and they're and they're like, "Oh, it is great to be here. We don't they, yeah. let's here we build tents and and they're like, and they said, no, you can't stay here. Mm-hmm. This is good, but this is not it. Yeah, yeah. Being in the present, God is a mountaintop experience that I don't ever want to leave. But God keeps telling me, "No, now you got to go to the valley. Mm-hmm. Now you yeah. got to leave." And so I hope that when I leave that presence of God, that the people see me, they see me light up like Moses did. Mm, amen. Spent time with the Lord. So that's my my scripture now. Is Psalm that's awesome. Or just to be, just to seek him. That's the only thing that I desire, to be in his presence, to dwell mm. with his presence, gaze upon his beauty, fire <laughs> within his temple. To me, there's amen. nothing better. Amen. And I've experienced amen. that now for the last, now going on 17 years of spending consistent quiet time with God. Well, because like we're going to hear soon, you've experienced everything. I, I would say like you've experienced a lot of bad and you've experienced a lot of good things of as good. far as, as far as the natural man, the desires of a natural man, you've experienced it. And you've come to a place where at one time realizing that Jesus made you a new creation. Now, now you, you, you still are that obviously, but now you realize that's said and done, but now I just want to be with the Lord. I, I'm done it. with this world. Yeah. Right. And I even think of the, the, the disciples there. You touched on it there. The people noticed that these were unlearned and untrained men, but they had been with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, man, that's powerful. So thank you for sharing that. I, and I'm honored that I'm only the second person you yeah, told nobody's that Nobody's really asked me about that, <laughs> but yeah, but that, that's what it is. Um, I'm talking about liberating something. We had a guest on our show and I liberated this from him. He says, Joe, all it comes down to is that God created us to enjoy the joy of enjoying him. 
I remember that show. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I desire. I just want to enjoy now that I've been redeemed. The question is if God, if Jesus is our savior, he saved us. He saved us for what? Yeah. What did he save us for? And mm-hmm. so if he just wanted to, that just to have a, a, a salvation experience, he could have just taken us up once we gave our life to him. Yeah. But now we're here. So I'm going to enjoy the joy of enjoying him and sharing that with the world that mm-hmm. they will want to taste some of the things that I've tasted. And I think that's what we're all here to do when we get to a certain point where now we understand, okay, God, you saved me for a reason. What was that reason? What was that purpose? And man, to enjoy the joy of enjoying him, not to be stressed, not to be worried, not to be anxious. There's enough stuff that's going to battle us with that. But why don't you just enjoy enjoying him? Yeah, that's that's what I desire. That's what I, well, you know, we could end the podcast right now and thank the Lord. We're not and men out there, <laughs> men would be edified already, already just from what, what you yeah. shared, man. Cause that, that, can, that right there spurs men on to say, you know what? No more, no more just living for myself. I want to just meet with Jesus. So just thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So you never know what life's going to throw at us. And, and that's very evident for you today. And, and we, we both know that it's really hard to be a Christian man. And, and that's the reason why I started this podcast and I called it the frontline podcast because we're, we're on the front lines of war and, and that, that battle that we're in, that spiritual war that we're in as Christian men, it can be really intense sometimes and it can involve a lot of different things thrown at us. And, you know, we've just come through a pandemic. We're still kind of in it, but the, the stress, the, the heartache, the struggle of this pandemic um, you know, there's obviously a war happening in Ukraine and Russia, just a lot of uncertainty in the world we live in, a lot of darkness. We see perversion just getting worse and worse. And then, of course, what unfolded yes- yesterday in Texas, just the heartache that brings to people around the world and just the pain. How do, how do you, how do you as a man of God, aside from being Dr. Joe, you know, international speaker, podcaster of, of millions of downloads, author, you, the man, the Christian man, you've experienced life, man. You've experienced the pros and the cons of life, the, the good and the bad of life. And we're going to hear that tonight in your story. But, but I wanted to start off just to, for those who are listening right now, maybe they're just really struggling because the struggles of life can really bring us to a low, low place. And men handle that differently. And, and they, they, they can turn to things that are sinful or harmful or they can even get to the point of despair where they want to end their life, man. And so I just wanted to start off by that. How do you keep going forward? Because as a man of God, a man who's leading men, a husband, a dad, man, a lot of people are looking to you, Dr. Joe. A lot of people are looking to you for leadership. And and that's a huge responsibility that God's given to you. How do you handle it? How do you keep going forward in faith? How do you keep trusting God amidst all of this? And I want to start off with that. Matt, what it is, is that you got to find your hope in Jesus, in, in Christ. Um, you know, we have people right now, this, the culture is not very tolerant, which is ironic to, yeah. to Christians, to believers. We're seen as being intolerant, um, intolerant as yeah. being racist, um, being bigots, and whatever they want to call us. Um, because we're not going along with the culture and we're standing for what God says is right or wrong. And so we try to convince people to be what, um, 
to become basically basically come to our side. I, I'm not that kind of Christian. Um, I don't agree with the culture, but I stand up for what I do believe in my own convictions. And I take the I I don't get confrontational with non-believers, mm-hmm. uh, people who don't believe in the God that I believe in or have a disagreement with the God I believe in. Um, I have more of a childlike curiosity. And my question is, especially for the atheist or the agnostic, is how do you do it? Mm. I said, treat me as if I'm a non-believer. Because I know a lot of Christians come at you trying to say, oh, you know, you got to believe God. I said, I'm going to take your side. And I'm going to go your path. Mm. How do you deal with what happened in Texas? What do you lean on? How do you deal when um, your mom or your dad dies of cancer and they're in their 60s? How do you deal with losing a child at birth? How do you deal? And I go through some of the stuff that I've had to endure. I say, how do you do it? Please don't treat me as if I'm a believer. I want to find hope in what's giving you hope. Please tell me. And I don't think we as as Christians, we don't do that enough. We want to believe we're so right for what we're doing is so right. My thing is, I could be wrong, but help me see you're right. Help me see you're right. I'm not going to convince you. I don't want to convince you. I just want to see you're right. This is why I choose my right, my hope, my life, everything that I have, everything that I am. This is where I find my hope, because if I don't find my hope in this, none of this makes sense. And I have no reason to continue living because it's all meaningless Mm -hmm. and it's purposeless and it has no redeeming value. So that, so I choose my hope in Christ because it makes sense of nonsense of stuff that, that has me questioning being abused as a child when I was growing up as a kid of starving and not eating anything. And watching my mom struggle with alcoholism, Mm -hmm. a dad who didn't care whether or not I was living or dead, you know, watching my friends get murdered. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I say, if I don't believe what I believe, help me get through that with what you believe. And most times you'll be shocked that most people don't have an answer or whatever answer they do have is not firm enough to hold up under the weight of it. And so as a man of God, that's how I I deal with it. I find my hope in Christ is just that, but it's my hope in Christ. I can't give that hope to you. I can just tell you about it. I can explain it to you the best of um, my limited finite mind can, can get you to see it, but I, 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 you have to experience it. And I know he's done too much for me not to believe he's not real because I doubt it if he was real. I question, just like you are a non-believer, I question. And I realize now I don't have my, I, here's a great way, Matt, of explaining it. My son, when he was in elementary school, he says, daddy, um, mm-hmm. I have some friends at school who don't believe that God is real. He said, daddy, how can I convince them that God is real? He's like in elementary school. He said, how do I convince them? I said, you don't. He said, huh? I said, Kendall, you don't have to convince others to believe in the God that you believe in. You have to be convinced. Mm. 
I said, do Amen. you believe? I said, then let your light shine. Amen. So they can see yeah. your good work and glorify your father in heaven. You don't have to spend time trying to convince Amen. them Amen. of anything. If you're convinced, you're going to yeah. draw them closer to you. Yeah. Because they're going to find out where you have your hope, your trust, your faith, your belief. And to me, that's when I'm going through storms. Yeah. Um, I know uh, I was just talking to our guys yeah. about this today. We were talking about the, the, what happened and how should we respond to people. Now we're telling us one, I said, just mm-hmm. don't, don't try to solve their problem. Don't try to explain it away. Sit with them and be with them. I said, but after the smoke clears a little bit, yeah. I said, this is an opportunity for us as Christians to shine. Because the world is going to be blaming everybody and everything, pointing in all these different directions on, oh, if you get rid of the guns, if if the if the, if the liberal media didn't do this yeah. or the conservatives didn't do that, they're going to be pointing the fingers at everybody else and not pointing up. And so I said, this, I said, I, yeah. I can't explain it. I, I don't understand. I ain't God. I said, but I trust it. Yeah. And I know that's why I say for the non-believer, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? My hope is in something beyond this bigger than this. But I, I will say this too, Matt, that we had a, um, uh, a group call talking about surviving yeah. storms and about when your faith is being tested. And I asked the guy, I said, fill in the blank because everybody's heard it before. I said, fill in the blank. I said, when it comes to storm, I said, you got this three positions, either you're um in the middle yeah. one and then they yeah. knew the rest what's the rest you're getting ready to go through one or you're coming out of one right yeah i said yeah and we know that mm-hmm. but the question is what do you do in each one of those phases in those stages of the storm i said and we have an answer i said what do you do when you're getting ready to go through a storm i said when you're getting ready to go through a storm you seek him you seek him. You seek him for strength. You seek him for wisdom. Mm-hmm. You seek him for resolve. Yeah. You seek him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. I said, but what do you do when you're in the middle of a storm? You trust him. Yeah. You trust him that he's mm-hmm. got you. In the middle of a storm, what was Jesus doing on that boat? <laughs> Sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. on a pillow which means if he had a pillow that means he was prepared amen so so you got to trust him that you're going to survive the storm i said so what do you do then when you come out of the storm you thank him and you praise him i said so you either seek him when you get ready to go through you trust him while you're in the middle of it and you praise him while you're coming out of it I say, and if you really want to know if you're really growing in Christ, Amen. that's what you'll do. That's true. You won't just trust him in the middle of the storm. You will yes. praise him while you're in the middle of the storm. That shows you that you're at another level. Mm-hmm. That when you can start thanking him before you come out, come on yes. now. That's going beyond trust. You know like mm. you know you're going to be all right. And the equivalent I give is when I get on a plane that um, – <laughs> Uh, I have a ritual that I go through on a plane when I, when I travel and I get on a plane, I start praying right before we take off. And 
and I don't make a big deal about it, but some people, they notice, but nobody really says anything until one time I was sitting next to this lady and she said, um, after I was finished, she said, excuse me, sir. I said, yes, she said, were you just praying? <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am. She said, but um, the plane hasn't taken off yet. Right. <laughs> That's seeking it. Right. So I said, um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> she said, well, why are you praying if we yeah, have to take it off? The plane hasn't even started yet. Why why people are still coming on the plane and everything? And I said, ma'am, in all due respect, I said, um, I don't know if this plane is gonna make it to our destination. Mm-hmm. I said, but I pray for everybody on this plane. I pray for my family and everything. I said, but if the plane does go down, I said, either people are gonna start praying then or they're gonna be praising him. Why it's going oh, down. Man. I said, when it starts to go down, y'all gonna be praying. I'm gonna be praying. Going on to glory. And I, I said, Yeah, yeah. I said, and she started laughing. I said, that I said, so That's I'm gonna awesome. win either way, whether That's we make awesome, it or not. Man. I said, but I'm gonna enjoy the ride down while everybody else can be screaming yeah. and everything. And when when Kobe, what happened to Kobe, I was telling the guys about this. I said, um, what if? on that helicopter when they got on a helicopter. I said, if I was there and Kobe saw me, Joe, what are you doing? Dude, I'm praying. Praying for what? Dude, I don't know if this helicopter is going to make it to that game. Hmm. And either we're going to, I'm going to praise him going down awesome. or we're going to be praying while it's going down. I don't know about hmm. y'all, but I'm going to be starting prayer. I'm going to pray right now. That I said, I wanted if anybody said that on that helicopter. Or were they just terrified when it went down? Mm-hmm. And did mm. they know him? Yeah. You know, so to me, it's finding your hope in him. That's how. Yeah. I, I was just thinking that it, it's that hope that we have. And the scripture even says, be ready to give an answer for when people c- come up to you and ask you, man, what is the hope oh, that, you, yeah. that you have? Mm-hmm. We, we need to right. give an answer. And we know it's Jesus Christ and we've experienced it. And I, I love that we're prayed up. And if, if when the storm comes in, we're ready to praise the Lord. Um, I don't know if you know David Wilkerson. He's one of my favorite preachers from, uh, I actually got a book of his right back here, but uh, he died in 2011 and he preached a sermon called, um, it was about the children of Israel when they got through the Red Sea and they're now in the wilderness. That The Bible says that they started to praise the Lord. He said, that was the right song, but the wrong side. They should have been praising the Lord before, right? <laughs> that's right. That's, that's exactly exactly what you're saying there. So I just want to start with that because I think that's just in, in the days that we're living in right now, uh, a lot of men are carrying a lot of weight and a lot of questions. And I think uh, you gave some real good wisdom there. You know, just very simply, make sure we're praying, praising, and then trusting and seeking, staying close to Jesus, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um so, Dr. Joe, again, I, I'm grateful that you've joined me uh, again tonight. I really appreciate you taking your time. And, uh, you know, everybody, every man has a story. Every man who's listening right, right now, they have a story. They have a testimony of, of where they were, where, where God has brought them, what God has brought them through. And and I know you have a story, and I've heard it before on, on another podcast. And we, um, I'm, I'm just glad to have you here tonight. I just want you to let the Lord lead you through your story. I know it's called from rags to riches, um, to ruins, to redemption. Mm -hmm. And it's such a powerful story, man. And it, and your story has changed many, many lives across the world. I know that to be true. And I'm trusting the Lord tonight that he's going to use you 
to really minister to the hearts of the listeners of this podcast. And so go ahead and just start as life as a boy and let the spirit of God just speak through you, brother. Yeah. And, and Matt, my story is, you know, yes, we are, our stories are different because there's different details to our story, but the struggle is still the same. And I don't claim to have any special story that other people um, don't have or whatever. Um, I'm just been, God has just gifted me in a way to be able to tell it yeah. and, and it resonate with people, but we all have a story. We all have a story. And yeah, and you kind of summarized it perfectly calling from rags to riches to ruin redemption because there's four phases of it. And I'm now in the redemption phase of my life, but the rags part started out me growing up in one of the toughest um, inner city ghettos in Miami, Florida, in a place called Liberty City. Um, and some people are familiar with the, um, with my city that I grew up in, in Liberty City. It, it depends on what age they are. If they're over the age of 50, they remember a rap group called Two Live Crew. Mm-hmm. But if they're under the age of 50, they probably know it based on a video game called Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Um, but in either case, the, the neighborhood is infamous. And they, they've now regentrified it and they're doing some stuff now that now I most of can't even afford to live in Liberty City now, yeah, yeah. but it's still with some bad areas, parts of it. But, but it was the typical growing up in the hood. My mom was a teenage mother with two kids by the time she was 17 years old. Um, she was an unwed mother because my dad, after um, my sister was born, he said, I'm out of here. So at two, he left and I didn't get, get a chance to know him until I was much older. Um, but my mom, because he was the man who she fell in love with, I mean, she was a virgin when she met him. This is her first love. Okay. And when he left her high and dry with two kids, she went into a deep depression. At 17. Yeah, 17 years old, dropped out of high school to have us. And now no husband, well, no man, because he didn't marry her. Um, and he just left her. I can't do this. And did not even take care of us after he left. And so my mom was, uh, I don't want, want to use the word stuck, but that's probably how she felt. Sure. And so she went through a, a really major depression, which lasted for years. And like most people do when we're struggling with something and we are not looking, we're, um, we're not looking to the right answer. We look for substitutes to medicate. Mm-hmm. My mom chose alcohol and she abused it. And because of that, there was times and bouts when she abused us um, physically um, not because she didn't love us because she was so angry with her own life. Of course, as a child, you don't understand that until I get older and I work with men and I say, Oh, my mom was just lashing out, yeah. you know, and she was trying to, the alcohol allowed her to survive. Otherwise she said that she told me later on, cause she ended up giving her life to Christ and everything. And she says that, um, we kept her alive. And cause she always knew that, um, if something ever happened to her, who's going to take care of her babies. Yeah. And my, you know, it makes sense now. My mom passed away two years ago, so it still gets me kind of emotional. Sure. He was so, she used to get on my nerves because she always made me say real close to my sister. My sister's a year younger than I am. And when we would go to school, she said, don't you ever let go of your sister's hand. You, you know, you hold your sister's hand. Boy, if I see you, I'm going to tear your butt up if I see you ain't holding your sister's hand when you cross in that street. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, she wanted me to, my sister became like, I had to shadow my sister. And, and then whenever we used to argue, you know, kids argue. That mm-hmm. wasn't normal in our house that my mom wanted to tear your butt up if you were getting into an argument. Let mm-hmm. alone, don't even think about fighting. But I'm talking about you just arguing. Brothers and sisters argue all the time. 
my mama would lose her freaking mind and she would go off. And then as I got older, I'm like, mama, you can let us grow. Why were you hindering us? You can even let us argue. Like, and she says, um, cause you're all you have. Mm. And I didn't want you guys fighting cause something ever happened to me. You're all you got. Wow. And I didn't understand it as a kid, but when I got older, now you saw Matt, my sister, I like this. Mm. She's a year and 27 days younger than me, which was a lot of wow. reasons why we fought a lot because she yeah. didn't acknowledge me as the big brother because I was so close to her age. Yeah. You know, but yeah. my mom was right. She was right. Hmm. My sister and I are so close. Hmm. And I love That's her so amazing. much. And she loves me so much. My, I get on my sister a lot because I can do no wrong in her eyes, man. And I got to tell, I said, your brother ain't perfect. <laughs> they go, chill, but we, we got each other's back. We've always had each other's back. And I see mama, you were right. And my mama will be so pleased. Absolutely. She's so happy to know yeah. that Penny and I, we have each other, but yeah. that, so I, I'm talking about, that was the good side of growing up at that moment. My mom made us close and she, even though she, she made us go to church, she wasn't walking it out herself. Mm -hmm. um, but she, in, in hindsight, I see that she did a lot better with two kids than I ever could have done at 17. Sure. I just think back yeah. to when I was 17, like, oh my God, I would have, those kids have been dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you're 17. Done anything. Oh my. When you're 17, you're 17 still a child. With two kids? You're a child yourself. Yeah. Oh man. So, Based on, the, you know, we didn't think she did the greatest job, but based on what she had to work mm. with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she did better than most probably would have done. She kept us out. We never we never went to jail, never sold drugs. Never, and all my friends, game banging, slanging, selling drugs, hustling. You know, we didn't do that. My mom didn't play that. Yeah. And so, but it was hard. And I was suicidal from 12 to 16 because um, my mom had allowed a family member to move in with us to help lighten the load and to be like a father figure for me, my cousin, who was, I guess, six or seven years older than I was. And he sexually abused me as a child for three years mm -hmm. under her roof without her knowing it because mm -hmm. I didn't say anything. And her intuition kind of knew something was going on. But of course, me being a kid with the shame and the guilt, I never admitted to it. And so I suffered. And this man, when my mom, and the bad thing about it, he was taking care of me. He was taking better care of me than my mom was, who was drowning her sorrows in alcohol. <laughs> but he made sure I ate. He made sure that I had clothes. He made sure. And my godmother was taking care of my sister. So my mom just had to just keep herself together. Hmm. But when my mom was not drinking, when she was good, she was great. Just puts, Just believed in us so much. And told us we could do anything, put our mind to it. She just believed in us so much. And my sister ended up becoming a doctor. I became a university professor. Yeah. Did something right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, she made us not doubt whether or not we could. Mm -hmm. And so um, she had some, she it was the yin and yang that boy, if you good, she was great. But when she's bad, she was horrible. And so um, I went. Well, through, for her, for her to keep, sorry to interrupt you there, but for her to 
for her to obviously do a wonderful job at keeping you and your sister together because now you and your sister are so close and when you're a child your your mom knew like she's like you said it's all you guys had because the upper where you lived like like i i've heard your story you talk about just the violence around like so you needed each other you were so close and you didn't have a lot of support you didn't i mean you didn't have a dad he's gone so she knew that you guys had each other and that was that was a powerful thing that had to maintain despite everything around you. Because I, I remember you even said like um, you saw one or maybe multiple of your friends growing up shot right in front of you. Is, is yes, that six, six, I um, watched six of my friends die um, who were under the age of 16. Man. And the, it's bad enough, Matt, going to one funeral. But when you go to six funerals and all the caskets are small, I mess you up, man. Man. And I, I walked around this complex that I had a short lifespan that I'm gonna die. Because what else I'm supposed to think if I'm seeing children dying and I'm a child, sure, and they're not making it out of high school or making man. it past middle school, I gotta think I'm next. And so I had this constant fear that I was gonna be murdered, <laughs> shot, and killed. And I remember um, adults would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the kids would say they want to be a football player. They want to be a rapper or all this other stuff. When they mm-hmm. asked me, little Joe, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, alive. Hmm. I just thought if I just made it to 18, for some reason, I thought 18 was a magic age because I just didn't see. It was like this gap. I saw little kids and then I saw these old men. None of them with their, with their kids, by, by the way. I only saw one family in my whole neighborhood who had a mom and a dad in the, in the home. And wow. they weren't even happily married and they had their issues. So I never saw a good model of what uh, a husband or father was supposed to be. And neither the kids I was growing up with either. And that was in a community of multiple schools and malls. Oh my God, man. Liberty city is so big. The reason why they can make a video game about it. Cause it's so big. Right. Most people think of a hood. You say, Oh, don't go to that area of town. It's a couple of blocks. We block. Liberty City, there's um, five high schools, two malls. Man. Think about how, how big a city has to be to have five high schools in it. Okay. One high school can serve a lot of people. I, I'm living in yeah. a, a community now in the suburbs, and there's two high schools mm-hmm. in, in our area. Um, two high schools. And I think there's a lot of people in my area. That just tells you how big. And we have no malls. <laughs> and you had one family that you were aware of in your area growing up. Oh, they all were that that my godparents. The ones I told you was taking care of my sister when my mom. So who, who who were all the other people? Just, were they, was it mainly made up of gangs? No, as far as the other men, they were just surviving life. I guess yeah. they were gang bangers, drug dealers, hustlers, pimps, or Man. they were just trying to make ends meet. I would say the majority probably were trying to make ends meet. And when I mean that's just living paycheck, trying trying to get the next job, make some money so they can help their moms out. Yeah. If I didn't get out of the hood, that's probably what I'd have been doing. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Because I wasn't going to rob and steal and kill. <laughs> so I would have been trying to help my mom pay the bills. And so there was a lot of kids who did that when they were grown. They were grown men. And if they weren't doing that, they were hanging out, just wasting time. I can get flashbacks of going to the store for my mom and seeing these dudes 
just hanging out around, you know, those big drums where they have fire in it, you know, sitting around. Yeah. And I remember one time my mom and I were going to the store and my mom, remember, she's only 16 years older than I am. So hmm. think about it, I'm 12. My mom is only 28. In other words, a lot of men found my mom very attractive. Yeah. <laughs> right? So everybody's trying to holler at my mom, which I thought was crazy. I'm like, this is my mom. Like that, but they all they see is I see this nice twenty-something-year-old woman, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we would go to the store, and I, I got used to it after a while because they would, you know, cat calls at my mom. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, hey. Then one day we're going to the store, of my mom to the store, and she said she went to this. She this guy said, "Hey, Rose." She said, "Ike, that's you." And she, my mom knew the dude, right? And they're talking. I see Ike all the time when I go to the store. He ain't doing nothing. He's just hanging around the store, wasting time. You know what I mean? They're talking and yeah. cutting up, making jokes. And so we leaving the store. I said, Mama, you know Ike? She said, yeah, you know, that's Mr. Ike. I said, man, Mama, everybody call him Ike. Like that, right? I said, you know him? She said, yeah. I said, I went to school with him. I said, you did? And she said, Joe, he was the valedictorian of our class. Wow. Of our high school. I'm like, what? valedictorian hmm. and what was he doing nothing wow nothing hmm. and there's so many stories you would not believe the amount of talent giftedness intelligence being wasted on the street corners in hmm. hoods i give another example my god brother i tell you the only couple that was there's my godparents yeah, yeah. Because my mom, mom died when she was only 12 years old. And so her mom's best friend stepped in to help raise my mom, even though my mom had a dad still with 12 kids. Mm-hmm. He took on my mom as the project. But what ended up happening, they butted heads so much, so she ended up taking care of my sister. So I was out there kind of dangling. And that's why my cousin was able to come in and okay. abuse. Sure. But... um. But I remember when I my the my godparents had two sons, both did time in prison. Um, and but they were one was uh, um only a few months older than I was, and another one was two years older than I was. The one who was two years older than I was two years ahead of me, and he went to school with me. And because my the one who was my age, he dropped out in like middle school, just dropped out. And I think he's in prison today. Wow. Um, but the mm-hmm. older one, he ended up going to prison, but he got out. But he, I remember when I was in, he eventually dropped out around the ninth grade, right? He got to the ninth grade, which is back then that was still considered middle school, but that was now high school now. So mm-hmm. he dropped ninth grade and I was still going. So I'm in 11th grade and I'm taking chemistry, right? And I'm struggling and I'm doing my homework. He walks in one day, he see me doing homework. He was, I think he would look with my his brother or something. He said, what you doing? I said, man, I'm doing my homework. He said, what you, what you studying? I said, chemistry. Homeboy helped me with my chemistry homework. Mm. He was a dropout. He, he hadn't been to school in high school in like three or four years in helping my homework and ended up in prison. Just this wasted talent. Wasted talent. Man. And when I made it out, uh, my sister, who was a year behind me, um, she wanted to go into the medicine field, which she's now in now. 
Yeah. And so she was, um, when she became, after I graduated from, um, from college, I became a professor. I was the youngest professor I ever had to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24. Mm-hmm. And so my sister was working then as a pharmacy while she was getting ready to go to med school. And so she told me about one of my best friends who I grew up with and what he was doing, who this dude could have gone fat. His younger brother, who wasn't even half as talented as he was, ended up playing for the Cleveland Browns. Tell you how talented my best friend was. He was so much better than his brother, his younger brother. Matter of fact, his younger brother, he used to send his younger brother home because he was getting on his nerves all the time. (laughs) Ended up up moving his whole family out of the project, becoming a millionaire. But um, she would tell me that all my friends would come by the pharmacist and they always ask about me. And she said she would tell him what I was doing. She said, yeah, Joe's a professor at um, University of West Florida. Professor, da, 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 da. And I said, Penny, what was their response when you told me that? She said, not one was surprised. Really? I'm like, that's yeah. how I, that was my response. I'm like, really? Yeah. And what it was, everybody saw something in me, but I didn't, which is explain those guys yeah. who I saw. We, I can see Ike, but he couldn't see it in himself. Mm-hmm. I can see it in Dennis. That was the, my, uh, my god brother. He couldn't mm-hmm. see it. I could see it in Kenny. That was the guy who could easily would have been a professional athlete, probably mm-hmm. Hall of Famer in whatever sport he chose. Yeah, yeah. But he couldn't see it. And so even I was guilty of it, except I didn't get in trouble. And I kept right. being pushed forward until I started believing in it. Hmm. But she said, not one person, said, what he's doing, what not one person was shocked. I was more shocked than anybody else in my neighborhood that I became a university professor. It's amazing. You're right. The the perspective of other people look from the outside looking in, they see differently. We can be our own worst critics. I know for me, I man, I put myself down and what I'm doing. I'm my own worst critic. And yet other people will respond and be like, man, I was so blessed by that or whatever it was. And, 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 or, or man, I don't think I can do this. And they're like, yeah, you can do it. I've seen yeah. you do it. Other people's perspective, right? And so first of all, and that's going to perfect segue into the, the next part of your story, Dr. Joe. But I want to give props to your mom because I picked up something in, in there. And I just want to give honor to her because I know she passed away a couple of years ago. And, and I'm sure you loved her dearly after mm-hmm. your upbringing with her. Uh, but I want to give some honor to her because I love how we already talked about how she made you and your sister stay together. And now you and her are reaping the benefits because of your mother's, you know, discipline to, to keep together, keep tight. But another thing in there I love is when you were a little boy and you saw Ike and she's like, no, 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 Mr. Ike. It's like she's, she was, she, she knew like, despite your surroundings, despite Liberty city, despite low income, despite drugs and gangs everywhere, despite people being shot in front of her son, she, she was installing within you, maybe even unaware value and character that now are coming out of you as a, as a man of God today. You know, no, no, don't, don't call him Ike. That's Mr. Ike to you. Oh, I was aware of it. Come on, mom, make sure we were aware of it. (laughs) If you may, oh, she would correct you so fast. And I'll tell you something that's now a lot. Most people think my mom was an abuser. (laughs) My mom, I could not even pass an elder without speaking to them. My mom said, she, she said, if she even heard, that I went past Miss Such and Such house and I didn't say that she was Miss Such and Such was sitting on the porch and I didn't say, hey, Miss Such and Such, my mom would tear my butt up. Yeah. Or you know better. You respect hmm. your elders. And she kept us out of trouble. 
And that's how we survived the hood without going through the crime. My sister and I didn't get involved in that stuff because people, so I, when I speak at schools and especially with younger kids, they will always want to know, man, how did you, your friends doing all the stuff? How come you didn't do any of that stuff? Cause they're yeah. tempted to sell drugs when they're broke and everything. And I said, y'all want to know the truth? <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm going to keep it 100. I was more afraid of my mom than the streets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Said, and honestly, man, I, I, the truth. I think we need more of that in society yeah. today. I think it, it may, it may not have been done perfectly right. from, like the, <laughs> from the standards of society, but when you see the results from it, you see the character that's coming from it, man. Mm-hmm. Though we need a bit more tough love out there from parents. Oh, my so mom. If you're, if, you're, oh. if you're a parent listening right now, a little bit of tough love can go a long way. <laughs> Matt, she, she was 4'10". Yeah. 4'10", man. And my son, when he, you know, as you know, when he, when he, as he got, he says, and I hear all these stories you tell about Grandma Rose. He said right there in front of her, right? He says, yeah. Grandma Rose seemed like the sweetest woman. No way she was that tough. I said, Kendall, don't let that little woman fool you. Yeah. I said, she's just trying to get into heaven now. I said, but that's it. She was so, he said, then I just can't see it. And my, and my mom was like, stop telling him that. Stop telling I said, mom, I'm telling the truth. And my sister was saying when she was like, Kendall, daddy's telling the truth. We were terrified of this woman because she did not play it. I remember asking my mom, I said, mom, why were you so tough on us? I said, we, we didn't even get into trouble, right? And she said, and I quote, because I couldn't be around you all day. And all I did is pray when I left the house, when I had to go work, and you guys by yourself. We were raising each other at eight or nine years old. We were taking care of each other, right? Yeah, wild. wild. He says, when I didn't know what you were going to get into, but I wanted you to have, be more concerned about what I was going to do than what mm-hmm. they were going to do. And she was absolutely right. My mom put the fear of God in us. Mm, that, and then it got to a point that we know when we start growing, we say, oh, she ain't even that big. <laughs> right? <laughs> what yeah, is, yeah, yeah. But what it was is that we, by that time, we knew that we represented her. And my sister and I never had disciplinary problems at school. That's what also made me suicidal because I wasn't a bad kid. I was respectful. I was, yes, sir, yes, because that's how my mom raised us. Yeah. You know, but all this bad stuff is happening to me. Remember I told mm-hmm. you, going back to what we said earlier, the hope. And I was, I didn't have any hope because I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm doing right. Then why is all this wrong stuff happening? Sure. Yeah. What's the point? You know, and it, it, it was just difficult, but yeah, that was the, the rags part. I didn't even spend that much time on that. But yeah, so um, I want to, I want to actually segue into the next part, which is the rags to riches. And it, it's interesting because you said there, we talked about how other people's perspective of you and, and everybody is always different. And people saw things in you and many people from your neighborhood. I mean, that, th- that they didn't see, they were blinded to it. And so now you, you go from this, this rough upbringing in what you call rags into a season of, of blessing, like su- success and blessing and money and popularity and like things that shouldn't be happening for such a young man Mm -hmm. and and one and i want you to talk about that but one thing that you said in there you know is is how did you do it and it's like you asked questions yes but talk talk about the riches part of your story because it's powerful man to see you come from rags into the riches 
Yeah, by the time I by the time I reached the age of 30, I had everything I ever wanted and ever dreamed. Um it took me just getting into college that changed everything for me. I didn't think I was gonna go to college, but that's a whole nother story. But I got there and I had to go to a community college because I didn't have the grades and, and everything else. I like you said, you said somebody once told you that you don't have, you're not smart enough to even walk in front of a college. Oh, they, yeah, they tell, no, they're, they're talking about my test score. They say, <laughs> this neighbor recruiter told me, he said, Joe, I seen your test score. They're so low, they won't let you drive by college. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, and that's the reason I went because I wanted to prove this dude wrong. Good, but good. Um, I, I got into a community college and my first semester in college got a 4.0, which I never made A's before except in PE. And so that proved to me I could. You want to see somebody really take off let them let them have a little bit of belief just that they can because you keep thinking it's impossible it's impossible it's impossible once i got a taste of it that i could yeah it wasn't in college was not based on my iq but based on my i will and level of determination oh it was on and popping after that i just knew i just had to outwork everybody yeah and for me to outwork people that means somebody has to quit and it won't be me you never want to fight somebody like that. Yeah, for sure. And you got to kill me to beat me. Hmm. I don't care how many times you hit me. You want to kill me. So be prepared to kill me, not just beat me. And most kids, when they're going to college, they ain't thinking with that mentality. They're hmm. just thinking, oh, party, have a. I'm like, I'm on a freaking mission. Hmm. And we so, could use a bit more of that as well. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up um, graduating early at the age of 20. Um, top of my class, I went, uh, I transferred to a four-year school, um, 10,000 students on that campus. I was the only student of color and, um, male, a male student of color in all of my classes, all of them. Wow. So I didn't, I was on a campus with less than 5% of students of all colors. It was that predominantly white. Hmm. And so here I am, I graduated top of my class early, voted student of the year out of 10,000 students on the campus. Um, Get married at 22, start my first business at 22, a clothing store with my wife, who I was dating while I was a freshman. I mean, while, yeah, while I was a freshman in college. And um, so I've been living this storybook life. 22 started our first business. Um, 24 um, became a university professor. When I graduated from college, I had, I was working for the government um, in the field of public relations, um, I w- most people don't understand the lingo. I was a GS 11 at 20 years old. That's pretty good in the government. <laughs> but um, I started my business at 22, came professor at 24, worked for the Florida governor's office as a communications director for the Florida governor's office. Um, finished my doctorate by the time I was 28. I written two books by the time I reached the age of 30. Oh, um, bought my first house when I was a senior in college. Hmm. Um, move my mom out of the projects a year after I graduated from college. Man, oh man. And I'm traveling all over the country, all over the world, running my mouth for a living, getting paid thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm making at least over a quarter million dollars by the time I was in my mid-20s. And not shooting a basketball, not hitting the ball, not tackling anybody, not rapping, not entertaining, just sheer sharing wisdom, you know, speaking, being in demand, sharing my story. I tell you, I just gifted to share my story. Mm-hmm. And people will pay me to share my story. And so here I am. I'm getting everything I ever want. I'm now a father. And I had it all by the time the age of 30. And the fact that I broke the generational curse of poverty in our family. Hmm. Move my mom out of the projects. I can't tell you. 
Now, I wasn't like the big ballers where they're buying their mom's mansion. No, no, no. I was just able to get her out of the projects. It's incredible. That was an accomplishment in itself because nobody left our neighborhood and our family. I was the first hmm. to get out of Liberty City. And of course, what do you think happened to my sister? If that fool Joe can do it, <laughs> you know, I can do it too. So, so Joe, was it? did this happen just because you're a brilliant guy? Like, I, I know that there had to be some grace of God upon you there. Were you aware of that? Or did you credit yourself? Did you credit your drive? That mentality, like, I could do this all night. Like, I'm going uh, for unfortunately, this. Unfortunately, it was sheer. I tell I said, there's desperation. It was more desperation than inspiration. But the desperation came to me just sheer determination. And I wasn't giving God credit, even though I believed in God. I just knew, man, it is to be, it's up to me. I'm going to outwork you. I'm just going to outwork you. I'm going to make you quit. Mm. I'm going to get on your last nerve. You're going to like, man, why, why are you working so hard? Think about, think about what um, Kobe meant to basketball and how people, the stories you hear about Michael Jordan. That's how I was in this college realm. That I'm going to do what most are not willing to do. Hmm. Because let me get this right. If I get this piece of paper, I'm going to have opportunities to write my ticket. I ain't thinking about being rich. I just want to get my mom out of the projects. Yeah. And so they say, yes, yeah. let me get this right. All I got to do if so, I mean, I'm in, going back to what you're saying is all I did was ask, got the answers, and I took action. Mm-hmm. That was the formula. I didn't put God in that. <laughs> it was just, you, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to ask you, if you're willing to tell me and give me the answer, watch out. Because now I'm going to run full steam ahead and do exactly what you mm-hmm. told me to do. Yeah. Anybody can do that. Most people won't. First of all, mm-hmm. most people won't humble themselves enough to ask. Yeah, yeah. Number two, most people won't pay enough attention to write down the answers. And number three, even if they got the answers, most are too lazy to take action. Mm-hmm. So I was action on steroid. Just tell me what I bought my first house when I was a senior in college. You know how I did that? I heard that when you graduate from college, that you have to pay taxes. And if you, as um, soon as you get out of college, Uncle Sam's gonna take most of it because you never had, you don't have dependents. So they said, man, if you could, you should buy, not rent. I'm broke. I don't have any money. Hmm. I know you just told me, and I see hmm. you're successful with a home that I need to buy a house. I don't know how to buy a house. Who knows how to buy a house? Real estate agents. 17, I walk into a real estate agent, Remax Realty. Um, what's that lady's name? Jane Wilcox. Shout out to Jane. She ever listened to this show. <laughs> Jane, I walk in. I said, Jane, I, I said, I said, Miss Wilcox, my name is Joe Martin. I'm a, um, a freshman at Gold Oklahoma Walton Community College here. And um, I'm broke, but I won't always be. And I want to buy a house. She starts laughing. I said, what's so funny? She said, you want to buy a house? I said, yeah. I said, not now because I don't have any money. I want to come in and find out. I want to learn from you. What does it take for me to buy a house? I went to that lady and she educated me on what it takes to buy a house. She said, don't mess up your credit. You know, do this, do this, do this, do this, do that. And when I graduated, the relationship I built with Jane, I did exactly what she told me to do. And she said, Joe, I got a deal for you. There's a foreclosure. She said, 
You've been doing what I told you to do. You don't need all of it. All they're asking is for a small down payment, which Joe, you already have, because I learned how to invest when I was mm-hmm. in school. I asked somebody how to invest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in um, mutual funds, right? And he said, take that money. We're going to get you to foreclosure. And Joe, you don't even have to pay a mortgage for a year. Wow. And I end up end up keeping that place for like 15 years before I sold that later on. So that was my first time. People said, how do you buy a house? I like, Wisdom. Hmm. You don't need the, all the money. You just need a down payment. Yeah. And so, but look what I did. I asked Jane Wilcox. She gave me answers. And what did I do? Took action. I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't in debt when I graduated. What do you hear about most students when they graduate from college? They're in yeah. debt. Yeah. No credit card debt. My car was paid off. Hmm. But when I graduated and I had a great job, it wasn't easy. It wasn't hard for me to get approved for a loan. I'm working for the mm-hmm. federal government. How secure, more secure can you have a job than that? Absolutely. For the federal government. And so I did that with everything I achieved from becoming a professor at 24 to starting a business at 22. Closing store, I did the exact same thing. Man who right. made my suits. Um, his name is T.O. Shout out to T.O. if you ever listen to this podcast. <laughs> T.O. man, you're an immigrant coming to this country. How in the world did you get a store on Main Street downtown? Man. Guess what I asked? He told me. I wrote down the answers. And guess what? I took action and we opened our mm-hmm. store. Now you, so now you're in this life of success, like great success. And you achieve this by desperation, mm-hmm. right? That's what you said. You said you, you got these things because you were desperate. You knew you had to fight work and you were desperate for this. In hindsight, you probably give glory to God and say, Lord, your grace was over me. Mm-hmm. But at the time, your mindset was desperation. Mm-hmm. So you achieve everything that a man, like you said, like a man could want, like kind of like Solomon. Mm-hmm. Solomon's like, I had anything I wanted, whatever a man desired, I had it. That's kind of like what you're right. you're dealing with right now. Right. You're 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 married. You're young. You're wealthy. You're successful. Take it to the next part of of your testimony, Joe, where it all comes kind of crashing down into the place of ruins. Yeah, because I was succeeding outside. I was I was success in the world, but I was failing in the home. Right. And I was failing in the home because I did not know how to be a husband. I did not know how to be a father. And it started, it, I was exposed because everybody's applauding me about how great I am and how good of a job I'm doing. But yeah. my ex-wife, she wasn't happy. She wasn't mean. She wasn't like, oh, you're a horrible husband. It was more so what the typical wife would ask. How come we're, you know, we're not spending enough time together. Well, how come you don't ever tell me what's really going on in your heart? It's like you're going through something, but you're not telling me. You know, why can we not emotionally connected? And because of my insecurities, remember, I, I started doing this to get away from my insecurities. The yeah. success was covering that up. That was my mom's was alcohol, mine was success. So your success was a cover up. Was a, yeah, it was medication for my insecurities. Sure, sure. Because it made me feel better about because I'm questioning my identity after being abused and going up. I question my value, my worth, but all of a sudden I'm achieving a lot, and everybody's saying how mm. great I am. It's feeding hmm. my ego. It's feeding. It's validating me. And so, I, did you know deep down, while you had all that all that success, did you know deep down that you were still a wreck? If that could be the proper way to say it. No, I didn't know. I, I just no, thought. Okay. I, I, thought I, I, I thought I can outrun it. I just okay, thought. Okay. Okay. Knew that that bothered me, but I'm like, well, nobody knows about that, and they don't need to know mm. because I got all this success now. Sure. Sure. And so, but I was succeeding every place but in the home. It don't matter. And guess what? All the work and hard work couldn't fix that because I didn't know what I was doing because everything I've ever succeeded at 
somebody had already done it before. And I asked them, got answers and took action. When it came to being a husband and a father, didn't have anybody to ask. Wow. They never saw it model. Man. So I tried to figure it out. And the only father figure in your life, your cousin, Abuse took advantage me, which of Which I you. was never going to tell anybody about. Oh, my word. My, my ex-wife didn't know. I didn't tell her about that. And so I didn't have any other male. So everything I'm doing, all I, this was my 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 blueprint. Where everybody else gave Jane Wilcox, blueprint. Um, Dr. Saunders told me how to become a professor, blueprint. You see what I mean? Um, how to write a book. My friend James Malachek, um, blueprint. They gave me blueprints. Hmm. I didn't have a blueprint for manhood. So here's what I did. Let me wow. go back to what I do know. Oh, all those people I grew up in the neighborhood. Don't do that. You see the difference? Hmm. How can you build a house not doing something? You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You can't achieve something trying to avoid it. Yeah. So I didn't know how to, I, I, I was not yeah. knowing what to build. I just knew what not to build. Hmm. And so my wife became trial and error. Hmm. And the more I failed at it or the more she wasn't giving me that approval, the more I started doubting myself and it's triggering all those bad behaviors, which led yeah. to a porn addiction. Um, it wasn't her fault, but that was that was my saying. Success wasn't covering this up. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a drinker because I saw my mom abuse alcohol. I saw what drugs were doing in our community. You know, gambling was getting men killed on the streets in our neighborhood when they were gambling. So it wasn't that. So, so drugs, alcohol, gambling never, never affected you. Mm-mm. But it's just the porn. To this point, to this day, I don't ever, I don't drink alcohol. Don't even touch it. Mm. Don't even like it. Yeah. yeah. But it became the women. You know why I became? It wasn't because of the sex at first. It was because of the validation women would give me. Sure, man, that's powerful. And it meant the success was feeding my validation, but my wife wasn't. Now these women are feeding, giving me the validation I was wanting for my wife, mm. and didn't get it. You know, and man, I'm looking at, I got to get on another call um, at seven. I, I forgot. I think I told Tasha to, uh, to let you know ahead of time. I got to do it. I got to get on a group call with some guys mm-hmm. um, at seven. And I'm thinking we may have to do another step, another, <laughs> another point. No problem. Just take a few minutes and kind of end however you feel you, you, you want to end this, okay. Dr. Drew. No, but what I can tell you, Matt, is that we're God created us with a cross-shaped hole in our heart. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to fill it with everything but him. And I try to do it with success and money and women. I'm sure mm-hmm. those who are listening would tell you other things they've tried. Food, drugs, alcohol, work, gaming, mm-hmm. sports, you know, television. I don't know, whatever it is. Whatever is your go-to was not meant to be your go-to. God was supposed yeah. to be your go-to. Yeah. And everything changed when I found my identity in him and not in what I achieved and what I mm-hmm. did and what people said. Because yeah. now, yes, I get the people pat me on the back. Oh, Joe, you this. But I don't, that's not where I get my value from. Matter of fact, it kind of goes in one ear. out. I, I know they say it and I, and I receive it graciously. But my question is, God, what do you think? Mm, amen. I never used to ask that question before. Now I ask that. I get off your show, Matt. You can say, Joe, you did a great job. But when I get off the show, I'm saying, God, what did you think? Amen. And that's where I get my validation. And I tell people that if you're, um, whatever you're going to to worship, make sure it can save you. 
mm-hmm. because success couldn't save me, couldn't save my marriage. Yeah. And these women and the porn and the, all that stuff couldn't save me. It ruined, it ruined your marriage. It brought you to the place years. of ruins. It ruined a 16 year marriage. 16 years. I know you had a son, your son was involved as well. And yeah. it was a real painful time for you. And I know you're, you're short for time now, yeah. uh, Dr. Joe, but, uh, and now you're living in that season of redemption and God has redeemed you and God is using you. And I know there's a lot of other things, uh, wonderful things to your story. Maybe we'll get to it another time. But uh, again, I appreciate your time uh, tonight. And I encourage those who are listening to check out uh, Dr. Joe's podcast, Real Men Connect. Uh, check Is it realmenconnect.com? Yeah, yeah, you can find everything that Dr. Joe's doing there. And uh, again, I know you have to run, but thank you for your time. And uh, and. Yeah, I just really appreciate you. And I know what the what the Lord used you tonight to share is going to impact the, the lives of many men. So thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. And I'll All talk right, to man. you soon. Keep in touch with me, man. I'll talk to you soon. I really appreciate that. God bless you, sir. All Bye-bye. Right. Thanks for joining me on The Frontline. Contact me at standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Share this podcast with your family and friends. Look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God.